From St. John's Gospel, Jesus wept. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. You know, if you look at the Bible, you spend any time in Scripture, Jesus always keeps you guessing. Just when you think you've got him figured out, just when you think you've got that little box you can put him in and put him on a shelf and mark him safe and no more challenges from the Lord Jesus Christ, just when you think you're there, he throws you a curveball. He expresses some emotion or says or does something which just seems totally out of line with what you had always believed him to be. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that, should we? That Jesus Christ, who is both fully God and fully man, experiences the entire range of human emotions and feelings, uh, good and evil, that all of us have felt in our lives, all the totality of it, that Jesus is able to feel those things literally and really in his own being. And I will tell you, when I became a Christian in my mid-20s, to realize that I worship a God, that the Christian God is a God who knows what it feels like to fill in the blank, That changed my whole view of the nature of God and Christianity itself. Jesus experiences all sorts of, the whole range of human emotions. Joy, right? Rejection, anger, frustration, betrayal, right? Victory, sadness. And why do I bring this up today? Well, because obviously this is a very somber liturgy. Incidentally, this is a requiem, in case you didn't know that. And a a requiem is a mass for those who have died. And if you're wondering, why is everything in black? Well, there's a good reason for that. Black is not meant to be morbid or dark or sinister. It's actually meant to communicate something important, that in this world, this world is a pale, pale comparison to the life that is to come. In this world, everything is drab and dark and dreary compared to the life hereafter, hence black. Why do I bring all this up about emotion? Because when we read in in Jesus' gospel today, this very strange, and I will tell you, and as a younger man, this was troubling for me. I didn't quite understand it all. This one, it's the shortest sentence in the entire Bible in Greek, the word, it's, uh, the sentence is, Jesus wept. It's only one word in Greek, kaleio. I'll get to that in a minute. The shortest sentence in Scripture, Jesus weeps. And I want to point something out to you, that Jesus, the context here is that Jesus has just arrived at the funeral of his friend, whose name is Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus arrives at Lazarus' funeral and he weeps. And I take comfort in that too, knowing that the God that we worship knows what it feels like, listen, to sit in your seat, to sit in the seat of someone who has lost someone they loved. God, the God of the Bible, knows how it feels firsthand. And that's why it's fitting for today in a requiem, to celebrate a requiem mass which is essentially is a mass to pray for the dead and, more importantly, pray alongside of them. I'll talk about that in a minute. The requiem is an idea where we are to experience this emotion of sadness. The word requiem, if you don't know, comes from the first word in the liturgy. By the way, in the booklet, this, this mass setting written by Gabriel Faré is written in Latin, but the, Greek, the English translation is there. Read the, read the English as they're singing it, because when you, the music to the words is just where the power comes from. Requiem, eternem, 
Dona is Domine et Lux Perpetua. Grant them eternal rest, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. Here's the, here's the question for today. Why do we pray for the dead? Why do we pray with the dead? What are we doing here? Well, I'll tell you what we're not doing. That we're not, what we're not doing is praying people into heaven. People are saved or not, heaven or hell, depending on their choice in this life to accept Jesus Christ's gift, his gift, and to die in our place, your place and in mine, to save them, to pay for your sins and for mine. Everybody is given that opportunity. That offer stands. And either we give our sins to him, and he takes them for us on the cross, or we hang on to them, we bear them ourselves, a.k.a. hell. But the choice, frankly, is yours and theirs and everyone's. So we're, what we're not doing is praying someone this morning over the finish line, right? We're not lofting a few prayers to try to push granny over the, over, the, over the end zone, no. Well, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we actually pray for and with the dead every single Sunday. You may not have noticed it before, but I'll show you. At the Sanctus, which they're going to sing in Latin in a, in a few moments, we say, therefore, with, listen, listen closely, we're praying to God on heaven, on the throne, therefore, with angels and archangels, okay, and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore, say, praising thee and saying, holy. Well, think, listen to that a minute. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, well, who might that be? Our friends, our dead friends and family members who are saved the faithful departed. So in a very real way, every, a requiem, in fact, every Sunday, is an opportunity to pray for the dead, to thank God for them, to pray that they, they in heaven might grow in holiness, but it's also to pray with them, to thank God for them. And there's one more thing I want to talk about this morning that a requiem helps us to do, and that is to mourn, M-O-U-R-N, to mourn. Our, our culture hates this mourn. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to do it. We avoid it at all costs. And that's why Jesus is the example for everything. I'll show you. From our gospel lesson this morning, we read about Jesus who has arrived at the requiem, the funeral of his friend Lazarus, who has just died. We worship a God who knows what it feels like to be at the funeral of someone he loves. And Jesus, the shortest sentence, he, Jesus takes in the atmosphere. He witnesses that Lazarus is buried. Where have you laid him? They show him, and it says, Jesus wept. In Greek, it's only one word, and that word is, and it's a strong word. I'll show you this. The Greek word is the word kaleio, and it doesn't just mean cry. It does mean that. The semantic range of Greek words can be pretty broad. It can mean lots of things at one time. So Jesus wept means he, he cries, like we all cry at a funeral. It doesn't mean, but it doesn't just mean that. It also means all of the, uh, the stuff that goes with someone who you have lost, whom you loved. And you know, you've been there, you know, you know the feeling, sadness, pain, loss, grief, the what-ifs, the what if I'd said this, what if I hadn't said that, I wish I had done this, I wish I hadn't done that. All that sense of finality, that sense of your own mortality, that's all wrapped up in this Greek word, kaleio. 
But there's more to it than that. The nuance, this is the nuance that gets lost in translation that no one ever talks about, ever. And that nuance is a word, anger. Jesus' cry is not a sob. (laughs) It's not a whimper. But a gut-wrenching cry of pain and loss and sadness. Anger, rage would not be a bad translation for that word. Tim Keller, who I'm a big fan of, once described that word kaleo as the word, the, the sound that a battle, a, a war horse makes when you charge it into battle. It's like a grah, right? It's a powerful word. You know how that feels. It might sound strange, but if you've ever loved someone that you've lost, and you all have, if you've ever been at the bedside of someone as they lay dying, you've felt that too. Sadness, loss, fear, pain. But if you dig deeper, and I want you to do this today because no one ever does, you will find anger. You will find rage, and you should. But what do we do with that as a culture? We have, nothing, we have no way to calculate this in our, in our understanding of how when people die. We have no idea what to do with this, these feelings. The Bible does, and so does Jesus. But we have no idea where to put this. I'll give you an example. Three years ago, I buried my father, Tony Rodriguez. I'm going to read his name in a few moments. 75 years old, died. Um, Alzheimer's. He, uh, and I'll never forget, I buried him at Christ Church Cathedral, or Christ Church Pensacola Beach, and people said to me that they were, that they were, uh, that they were, I'm sorry to hear that your dad passed. He didn't pass. I passed people on Indian River Boulevard coming to work on the morning. I, I passed people on 95 going faster than I probably should. He, my dad did not pass. The even weirder one is now they say he transitions which sounds even stranger three years later where we are as a culture. My dad did not pass. He did not transition. My dad is dead. And there's no way around it. But you know, when a, per- and a, person, when a person dies, it's not just that person that dies, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. We know it. But part of you dies too. See, friends, there is, if you dig into those emotions, and I hope you do, don't run from it and don't hide from it because it's real. And Scripture shows us how to deal with this. If you dig deeper into this, this loss, you will find rage, and you should. Jesus did. And the reason is that Jesus is angry, and here's the key point to the whole thing today. Why is he mad? What's he mad at? Lazarus? No, Lazarus is dead. Is he mad at Martha and Mary? No, they're upset about the loss. Is Jesus mad at God? Well, he can't be mad at God. He is God. (laughs) So what's he angry at? Well, what Jesus is angry at is the idea of death itself. If you know your Bible, life was not supposed to be this way. If you know your Bible, we were created to live forever with God in the Garden of Eden. Heaven, right? Heaven, or Eden and heaven are the same thing. It's not until the fall where Adam and Eve are cast out of Eden that all the junk and sins and brokenness and disease and evil and death that we experience now in our own creation, in our fallen world, now we experience that, but that's not the way it was supposed to be. And that is why a requiem is so important to recognize something critical and, and cathartic and true. 
that this life is not the way that God intended for us to live. Death is not normal. So what's the fix? Well, what did Jesus do? Well, what did he do? What did we, well, Satan, we say it in the creed every single Sunday. He came down from heaven, incarnate by the Holy Ghost, and was made man. He was crucified for us, and then three days later, he was raised from the dead. Jesus, the war horse, his anger leads him to the cross. To die on the cross, to pay for my sins and for those who are trusting and calling him as their Lord and Savior, to offer restoration, to offer us a way back into heaven. And remember something critical. We say this every Sunday too. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Heaven is not just floating around on a cloud somewhere. Heaven is not just, you know, I don't know, floating around in some ethereal idea. No, no. Heaven is a reconstituted Eden. Biblically speaking, if you read the book, that's what's there. When Christ returns, the dead are resurrected from the dead with new bodies that don't age and don't die. There's no evil, no suffering, no death, no sand fleas, none of it. We are back to Eden. See, a requiem for a Christian is an important time to mourn, to call a spade a spade to feel the sadness, to feel the loss, to feel the pain, to feel the anger, to give thanks to God for the people he has placed in our lives, even if only for a very, very, very brief moment. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. And for God's sake, don't pretend it's not there, because it is. The Bible speaks truth and shows us how to deal with this, that Christ is, in fact, the warhorse. He sees the, the predicament we are in, and he comes to earth to save you from it. So friends, even as we mourn as Christians and we thank God for the people he's placed in our lives, even if we, as we rejoice, literally worship God with them today, this morning, even as we thank Jesus for that, let us remember most importantly that we, have a, we worship a God who saw the problem who sees that his people are treated cruelly and came down to save us, who saved them and who offers to save you. Father, we thank you for those we have, we have loved and we have lost. We thank you for the lives of those you have placed in our path. Even as we mourn their loss, remind us to be thankful for the gift of them in our lives. Help us to turn our anger, our frustration at this world, help us to turn and see Jesus as the solver of that problem, the solution to all human brokenness, the way back to Eden. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.